picture it. You're on a walk and it starts to get dark. You begin to hurry your pace as you race the sunset to the end of the dense forest. You begin to slightly jog while clutching your cardigan close around your trembling hands as you hear a loud, inhumane scream. Will it be a sinister sighting or a paranormal encounter? Let Carrie and Donna show you the way. Hey all you beautiful creepsters, I hope you enjoy this episode. Sending much love from Toronto, Canada, Natalie M. Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 169. And you just heard Natalie M. And that imagery, though? I mean, for real, setting the tone for all the spooky stories. Yes. And she's from Canada. Hey. <laughs> and hey, if, if y'all want to introduce an episode just like Natalie, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right, we're jumping right in. First of all, I love you guys. Spotify recommended you after I binged Three Spooked Girls. I'm super long-winded, so I'll do my best to get to the point. This definitely isn't as spooky as a lot of the stories, but I will never forget it. Just a little background. My nephew is only eight years younger than me. He always said he saw a monster in Nana's, my mom's, closet. We never thought anything about it because he saw monsters in a few places, but it was always consistent where he saw them. I was always terrified of ghosts and always felt our house was super creepy. I would leave the shower running and jump in and out as fast as I could because I didn't want to be alone any longer than I had to. So, a few years later, when I was in middle school, my mom told me one night she woke up to see a silver glowing apparition moving from her closet to the bathroom right beside it. That night, I was at the end of my mom and dad's bed sleeping because I was terrified. My dad is 6'2", and I'm all legs. That was the longest night ever. Through high school, several of my friends would ask if anyone was outside at night. They all saw the same thing, a figure in a white t-shirt walking around outside. I never saw it, but I knew what it was. One night, by the time I was 16, I was going to stay the night with my friend. We pulled up in my driveway so I could grab some clothes, and my mom and dad weren't home. My friend and I looked up, and we saw it at the exact same time. My parents have one of the gas refillable tanks outside, and there was a huge glowing figure standing beside it. It looked like an eight-foot-tall figure wearing a fresh white t-shirt. We noped it right the hell out of there that night. I didn't need clothes that bad. Since then, I don't know that anyone has seen the figure. It never seemed evil or bad, just present, and would make itself known from time to time. Sorry if this was so long for not such a cool story, but the little parts were important. Thank you, ghouls, for keeping me entertained. As always, creep it real and don't get scared, Aaron. You had a flaming eight-foot-tall guy in a t-shirt. What you mean, one creepy? <laughs> right? Also, when you said a silver apparition, all I could picture was a silver surfer, and that is creepy to me. <laughs> okay, it was silver, but in my head, it was Alex Mack. And she oh. was gray. I mean, she was uh, gold, I think. But, no, like, she was She was she silver? Was. Okay. Well, it was more of that, like... Metallic? Yeah. Maybe if I let you finish a sentence, I would know what you were trying to say. <laughs> but that's basically the Silver Surfer, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, I don't want to see that. Is that what you would say? <laughs> 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 I don't know why that... 
also, <laughs> I have never slept at the foot end of a bed. Have I mean, you? No. No, I always just, like, slept beside my mom. Yeah. Well, I would kick my dad out if he was ever there. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> okay, the next one is Sinister Sightings-ish. Hey, ladies, 10 months in, and I am finally caught up. I started at the beginning. Whoa, what a fun ride. Whoa, what uh, terrible sound equipment at the beginning. <laughs> Paula and Gertrude still make me laugh. Fuck. <laughs> me too. I will never, ever live that down. No. <laughs> Y'all are the best, and I can't imagine my daily commute in the fun DFW traffic any other way. Insert sarcasm, North Texas drivers suck. This all starts in 2011 when I'm finishing up grad school and moving into a house with my then boyfriend, now hubs, bless this man. Anyway, this house was awesome. Three bed, two and a half bath on two acres and a fenced yard. Even better, the rent was exactly the same as my one bedroom apartment. Hashtag score. Well, shortly after moving in, we get a puppy, six weeks old Reuben James, and attempt to crate train his little butt. Yeah, he screams and loses his shit when we crate him in the laundry room. So me being the dog lover that I am, bring his crate into our room and he sleeps just fine. The crate didn't last long. He slept with us right in the middle of our queen bed until this past summer, R.I.P. Reuben James. Oh, baby. Sorry. We needed doesadogdie.com on this story. For real. <laughs> I wasn't ready. He wasn't fond of the hallway, always zoomed down it, or stayed right at my side. I always did the same, either zoomed down or would flip the lights on until I got to my bedroom. Just a weird vibe, like I was being watched or something. About one year later, due to a job relocation, we moved about two hours north. As we're laying down for the evening after moving all day, I have learned my lesson and used movers from then on. My hub says, man, this house feels different. Like we aren't being watched. I never told anyone how I felt about the last house, especially him because he freaks with spooky shit. I jumped up and said, that house was haunted and you just confirmed it. He said he felt the same way, but didn't want to spook me. So this wasn't really scary, but weird. I just wanted to share my appreciation for all that you do. Much love from Texas, Heather W. Well, right off the bat, Heather W., we are coming to Dallas in August, August 26th through the 28th. It's the True Crime Podcast Festival, so we'll be there, but we are going to do a meetup if you don't go to the festival, like, we can still hang out one night. We don't know what we're doing yet, so check the Facebook group. Yeah, for sure. You know, the day of, we'll definitely know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, that is, that's creepy. I don't know why y'all think, like, this wasn't really creepy. Yes, it was. Also, if it was that cheap, something was wrong with it. Uh-huh, because that's how it always starts on my stories. It was this amazing house. Super cheap. Mm -hmm. It had all the good wood and... All the character and charm. Clawfoot tubs and all the things. I don't know. I could I literally could come up with nothing else. I was like, what does a nice house have? Like, clawfoot tubs, all I came up with. I was like, it had a craftsman style. <laughs> 
What are rich things? What are rich things? (laughs) HGTV, if you need a new host, (laughs) Carrie is the most. (laughs) Unknowledgeable. (laughs) (laughs) Really descriptive. She's going to sell those houses for you. (laughs) It had wood and boards, (laughs) nails even. Sometimes screws. (laughs) I always wanted a clawfoot tub just because it looked so fancy and all. But knowing that I would get stuck in that thing now. Yeah, those things are too small now. Uh-huh. Uh, y'all want to know something really funny? Oh, gosh. You know it. Because uh, I told you. Because I kind of felt bad that I didn't tell you. But um, So, y'all know I got a bidet. And I got to have my bidet, right? Well, I was at Donna's house. I don't know how long ago. And she oh. got a bidet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she does have a bathtub right beside her <laughs> toilet with a handheld sprayer on it. <laughs> And I use that. <laughs> I was like, by the way, Donna, I use that. I had to tell her. At least I told her. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing like bad about it. It's not like it got stuff on it. Oh, let's not talk about that. Did you wash it off after? Yeah. God, she's so nasty. <laughs> Don't invite her over. <laughs> Unless you have a bidet. <laughs> okay. The next one is called Now I Can Tell You About Victor. Hey, hey there. Recently, I moved out of a house I shared with friends for a few years. As we were dropping off the keys to the landlord, the next-door neighbor came over to chat. He said, now that you guys are out, I guess I can tell you about Victor. We had always joked that the house either had a ghost or a very sneaky squatter living in the attic. We did find what looked like human feces in our backyard right around the time of, right around the, time of the mad pooper. Although, that lady was in Colorado approximately... 1400 miles away when you were home alone downstairs frequently you would hear voices or footsteps coming from above and if you went to check nobody would ever be there my roommate's sweet older dog that i had never heard bark before would shoot awake and bark at weird spots on the wall as we were leaving the neighbor confirmed victor had owned this house until his death in the 90s after he passed i believe from lung cancer the neighbors boarded up some of his possessions in the walls of the closet and left other items in the attic apparently the people ringing just before us had two little girls that were scared by their encounters with victor he was never malicious with us though unless he was the one that pranked us with that big old pile of poo good one victor apparently he was a super great guy in life and after death he was still pretty chill roomy Hope he likes his new housemates. Creep it real E. Okay, when you said who or what is a mad pooper, I thought of Amber Heard. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, I guess. But, like, there was somebody in Colorado that just went around pooping? I guess so. I don't know. They needed a bidet, I guess. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'm glad Victor wasn't malicious, but that is creepy as shit to have boarded up his stuff in the walls and stuff. Why, why would they do that? Just give it away. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, bury it in the yard. No, like, give it away. Well, I'm just thinking that's that's just creepier to be in the house. And like, they destroyed a wall and then like, repaired it? Yeah, I, I, many questions. Also, like, sneaky squatter is hard to say, but that is one of my biggest fears because of those pictures and stuff also from danny that story you did mm-hmm. it was episode three speaking of true crime this is my link to true crime 
Hey, Carrie and Donna, let me start with the request to conceal my name, as this is truly personal and creepy. I secondly want to tell you how much I have loved your podcast every week, as it keeps me laughing while working in my lab. I have always wanted to write, but I didn't think I had anything to tell until now. So let's go. Buckle up, ladies. This is something else. Picture it. It's 1990, Maryland, near D.C. I was a sophomore in high school, and I was finishing the year and looking forward to getting my first real job because I was 16 and could finally work plus drive. I ended up getting a hostess position in a local family restaurant. It was fun. I liked helping people, so finding and clearing tables was right up my alley. I was used to working hard as I had worked for three years in private small jobs for my church. So this was a breeze. Anyway, there I am. And one day this guy, a new employee, starts making small talk. I guessed it was normal. So I played along. No biggie. I figured he was a teenager too. He said he had just moved to the area from Georgia. Well, so the summer went on, and in the fall of my junior year, I was playing volleyball and couldn't work there anymore due to schedule conflicts. But in the time I was there, this guy had become a friend, yet he wanted more. I had never had a boyfriend, and I did like our conversation, but had a weird feeling that I should walk away. But I didn't. I was too young and naive to say fuck politeness and listen to my guts. I ended up going with this guy to homecoming, and I can't remember how, but we must have left early, and he took me back to his place. And yes, we had sex. It wasn't fun or magical like I had hoped. It was weird and a bit painful. I was done. Decided then I wanted nothing else to do with him. So again, not sure how, but I soon told him that I wanted to stop seeing him. He did the now typical thing that I've heard on most every podcast— threatened me, told me he would tell my mother what we did, etc. I was dumb. I stayed with him. Not sure how long, but I snuck out and spent more evenings with him. Everything really turned south when I realized he had a baby by a deaf woman. That was it. I told my mother everything, so he had nothing to threaten me with. I didn't see him again, but I neglected to say he was not a teenager. He was 22. Anyways, he would still call and try to intimidate me, but I didn't budge. We called the police and tried to report harassment and such, and they said they couldn't do anything. Eventually, he stopped. Well, the story didn't end there, though. I went on and finished high school with decent grades and went to my first choice college. I was in a sweet situation where I had a roommate and we shared a bathroom with two other girls on the other side. We all four shared a phone line, too. Again, 1993. No cell phones yet. So I was still settling in, but like the new freedom and was glad to be in paradise. I was in Florida. One day I was doing some reading and my sweet mate said I had a call. I picked up, said hello, and yes, you guessed it. It was my ex-boyfriend. I can't remember exactly what he said, but I just froze. I was thinking, how did he get this number? How did he know where I was? I said something along the lines of, don't ever call again, and I slammed the phone down. I think I cried. I was mad, but also confused. I called my mom, and she swore she never talked to him. But sadly, my grandmother admitted a guy called her and said he was my high school friend and wanted my number at college. Ugh, thank the good Lord I never heard back from this creep. 
Flash forward to now, I'm sitting here scrolling through names of people I knew on Google, and yes, thought of him. I stop. There, his picture is above a caption of a special needs teacher arrested for child abuse. But that's not all. This asshole didn't just abuse innocent children he taught. He had multiple wives and children, some who he had incest with across multiple states. Holy motherfucking cow. He's serving a life sentence. And yes, I'm a Christian, but I hope he gets what he deserves in prison. And then God will take care of him later. Sorry this was a novel, but you're the only ladies I thought of when I saw this. Take care. Well, your gut was right when you first met him. Oh my gosh. But no one could ever think that. Right. Your gut's like, yeah, you know, I just don't like him. Like, I don't think this is, he's a good match. You're not thinking like, oh, he's going to abuse people. You're like, he's just not the right one for me. And abuse his own family. His kids. That is... So fucked up. Well, I'm glad he finally left you alone because you don't want any part of that. But also, like, he continued in a different pattern, but he wanted someone underage that, uh-huh. you know, was vulnerable. And exactly. then, yeah, he moved on to another vulnerable population. Oh, he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. Oh. Okay, the next one. A kid and my baby dog. That's just my baby dog. <laughs> I can't believe you thought of that and I didn't. <laughs> hey ladies, my name is Ariana. I'm originally from Arizona, but now I live in California. I started listening to you guys about a year ago, and since then I've told everyone I know about your podcast. You were the first podcast I'd ever subscribed to, and I love you ladies more and more with each episode. Donna, I also want to thank you for always talking about your mama. I lost mine about four years ago, and every time you talk about your mom, it always makes me think of a memory of mine. I have two stories for you, and I'm sorry if this is super long, but sometimes I get wordy. The first one is about a child spirit. At least I hope it's a child. Now, you know I always say it ain't ever a child, so hopefully it really is. I have two little boys, one five and one three. No matter what time of the night it is, one of them somehow ends up in bed with my husband and I, or I have to tuck someone in after they wake up to use the bathroom. This particular night, about a month ago, I slightly woke up and heard little footsteps in the hall. I thought my eyes were closed, which I thought with my eyes closed. Which one is this and do I have to get up? I felt the energy in the room change and I felt it was my oldest. With my eyes closed, I felt him climb onto bed, lay down between my husband and I, get comfy, relax, and immediately go to sleep. I felt the warmth on my back from my little one and immediately went back to sleep once I knew they were settled. Not sure how much longer after that, I again woke up but kept my eyes closed and heard the little footsteps again. I thought, here comes the other one. Then I opened my eyes to see my youngest enter the room. I looked over my shoulder to see where the other one was and to make sure I didn't wake him while scooting to the edge to make room for this one. When I looked, there was no one there. There was no way that either of the kids could have laid down between us without one of us legitimately having to substantially move to make room. It freaked me out. I know someone climbed into bed with us, cuddled, and went to sleep. I know it in my heart. I told my husband later that morning because I couldn't shake the feeling. He believed I felt what I felt, but was like, then who was it? Cut to about two weeks ago. It was early morning again, but this time I was alone in bed as my husband had already left for work. Again, I woke up but didn't open my eyes and heard little footsteps. This time, it felt like my youngest had entered the room. 
Since he's three, I could feel him trying to get up on the bed from the foot of the bed. I moved my legs and slightly sat up to help him. There was no one there. I know what I felt and immediately had that strange feeling. Is this the little one I lost? Getting pregnant was not easy for me, and we went through infertility to be able to conceive my oldest son. In between the two, I had a miscarriage. It was devastating then, but when I got pregnant with my youngest, something in me knew the one we lost gave its life so we could have Frank, who we lovingly nicknamed Frankenstein because he used to growl as a baby, and the boy has a temper. So I had the feeling that maybe this little one climbing into bed with me was the one we lost. I felt and feel this way because it feels like mine. Does that make sense? Story two. A week ago, we had to put down our dog, Tank. He was an American bully and the biggest sweetheart you'd ever met. He was a large dog, but always had this idea he was the size of a chihuahua. We adopted him in 2013. We got him because we were having trouble getting pregnant and needed something to love. He truly was our firstborn. He was a born and bred Arizona dog, and unfortunately, the California climate did not agree with his immune system. He ended up having horrific allergies, and we did everything we could to try to help him be more comfortable. Creams, powders, shampoos, oils, diet changes, steroid shots, antibiotics, allergy pills, you name it, we did it. Unfortunately, it all started to take a toll on him, and we had to do one of the hardest things anyone would ever have to do, but we knew he wouldn't be suffering or in pain anymore. That weekend, I mopped the floors. Once I finished, I sat down to watch TV with the kids and let the floors dry. Meanwhile, my husband called. He had gotten out of work and was at Walmart because a coworker told him they sold Venus flytraps there, and we thought it would be cool to have one for the boys. As I was talking to him, I walked back into the kitchen. When I turned the corner around the fridge, I noticed something on the floor. It was wet paw prints. I stopped in my tracks and said, The fuck? My husband said, What happened? I said, Honey, I mopped today. But the floor's been dry for like 20 minutes, and there are paw prints on the floor. Paw prints. I could hear him take a breath. He said, say hi to him. I said, there's paw prints on the floor. The floor is dry. Hold on. I'm taking pictures and sending it to you. Again, he said, honey, say hi. I started to get choked up and said out loud, hi, Tinker. I love you, but I just mopped the floor. I told my husband, I have to go. I'm about to cry. I hung up with him and just stared at the prints. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I saw they started to fade and I was getting overwhelmed, so I took the mop and wiped over them. Sorry for the long email, but I do have some other stuff I've experienced, but not sure if they are email worthy. Creep it real, ladies. Okay, so maybe that was a kid. Yeah. I retract my previous statement. I hope it was, because, oh, one that's scary. Also, you know you're a mom when you keep your eyes closed. Or Carrie. Carrie would keep her eyes closed. 100%. But me, I would open them. I'm, I'm a Friday cat. And who's coming? Like, uh uh-uh. Yeah, but you also live alone. So if you hear little footprints come at you, something wrong. Yeah. That's normal in their house. That's sweet to me if that is the child you lost. Like, he's still there with you. And that's very sweet. Your dog, Tank. Very sad. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I don't even know what to say. It's (laughs) it's such a sad email. I mean, sweet email. And I'm very thankful you shared it. Yeah. So much loss. Gosh. But I love that you're like, I miss you. But uh, I just mopped this floor. Yeah, so can you not run the freshly cleaned floor? Thanks. Also, um, send in your stories. Every story is email worthy. Okay, <laughs> apparently we have a theme. Sign from my dog. Oh my gosh. Was this around the time that Bo died? I wonder if some of these came in. Hi, ladies. I absolutely love you too. 
I'm not big on podcasts, but you have me hooked. I have a few stories, but thought I would share a quick feel-good story about my sweet Chow Chow giving me a sign after he passed. Simon was the sweetest, goodest boy. He was the runt of the litter and such a people pleaser. When he was nine, he had a stroke and passed peacefully at home a few days after. I was devastated. Simon was my ride or die. A few days after he passed, I was sitting in the living room with his collar on the coffee table, staring at it and crying. You know, gotta love setting yourself up for the ugly cry. I finally stopped my wailing and snotting and just said, Simon, if you're around, can you please give me a sign? I'm so lost without you, little man. At that moment, his collar slid off the coffee table. Seriously, it was in the middle of the table. There was no earthquake, no truck passing by, no visible outside force to cause it. I'm so grateful for that moment. He's given me other signs over the past few years to let me know he's around, and I'm so thankful for the peace it brings me. Thanks for listening. I'll write more stories later about the haunted house I lived in and my husband's grandfather possessing a Pepe Le Pew toy. <laughs> Keep being your beautiful selves, Jenny in Anchorage, Alaska. When I read your husband's grandfather possessing a Pepe Le Pew toy, I thought you meant like having, and then it clicked that note, like you think his spirit's in the Pepe Le Pew yeah. toy. <laughs> like, I was just it like, wasn't his possession. <laughs> he is the possession. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh gosh but oh my gosh why do we do that as people like if you are a real emotional person you always set yourself up for that big nasty looking cry i, I think because you gotta get it out yeah like i will hurt my own feelings more than anything like thinking of things and just like setting up like worst case scenarios in my head Mm -hmm. about sad shit. And I'm like, why do I do this while I'm like bawling, crying? But wow, I'm so glad that Simon did give you that peace that you needed. You know, I never got anything like that with Bo. Like there was never a thing where it was like, oh, Bo came to see me. Never. Or my dad either. Like, well, your dad just died. Yeah, no. God. Hurry up and get your strength so you can come back and tell me something. I am blessed. <laughs> My dad didn't either. He didn't love me. It's been a month. <laughs> blessed. But you know, like, people are like, before they left, they, you know. Yeah. Well, you also had a lot of shit going on. Yeah, girl, I was snoozing. Like, I was sleeping so hard. Yeah. Because of pure exhaustion. And you know what? That's, like, exactly when he went to. Like, when everybody was passed the fuck out. Like, mom had finally fallen asleep. Like, everybody was asleep, and that's when he passed. Yes. Also, you're one who would reason shit away. So, he probably is over there, like, waving his hands, trying to do stuff, and you're like, huh, that gust of wind from nowhere. Hmm, I don't know. That would be Carrie. Well, he wouldn't do a gust of wind, but I know what you're saying. He passed gas all the time. That's the truth. (laughs) I would smell that gust of wind. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I had a few things from Ambrosius, but we're not going to talk about... No, they don't know what we're talking about. We're not going to talk about if Marbu dies. If she dies, she might be invincible. Let's just hope for that. Look, I used to tell Tiffany uh, that I was like, I had to be here when Lori died. You got to be here when her mama died. I take that back. She got to be here when something happens to Marley. Uh If, if something... Let me just refresh. Okay. 
Thank you. I don't know who I was talking to. So, you know, I talk a lot anyway, but this could have been a complete stranger. I was going to say, it's probably somebody off Tinder. I don't even know what it is, but no, it's probably I'm not on Tinder. I know, but like, if it depends on when it happened. It was, it was recent. Oh, I know what it was. It was a coworker. So kind of like a stranger because I was meeting them for the first time. But we were talking about animals and pets and he's never really had a pet, whatever. And I was like, if I take her to be groomed and stuff and I look back on the place in the bed where she's normally laying while I work, I will be like, this is what it's going to be like when she's dead. And... (laughs) like cry and I was like why am I like that and I was like well I'll tell you why I'm like that (laughs) I was like well she's like the god (laughs) I'm so weird but she's my last connection besides y'all but like my Mm -hmm. connection to my mom and my dad now but like She's the only... Lori, too, really. Yeah. Lori... Well, Lori hated her, but... (laughs) Lori hated all animals. (laughs) She was not an animal person at all. But you know what I mean? Like, she's the link to, like, everyone who's passed, you know? She's been with me through all of that. Who's going to be my comfort if she ever dies? Like, but he was like, no, I understand that. I'm like, we can move on, though, because I'm going to make myself cry now. (laughs) Meanwhile, go to uh, cell A3 on your Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) I don't even know if you use Excel. We do. (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) Okay, the next one. Sinister Sightings-ish. Hey there, ladies. I just recently started listening to your podcast about a month ago, and I've got to say 10 out of 10 would listen again. Anyway, I'm writing in today to tell y'all about a dream I had, but let me start with a little backstory. My pawpaw was my best friend. I mean, we did everything together. I had him wrapped around my little finger for as long as I can remember. When I was a freshman in high school, he was diagnosed with a blood cancer called multiple myeloma. Unfortunately, this came as a death sentence. Doctors gave him the option of radiation and chemo to prolong his life, but he chose not to do it as he knew it would just make him feel sick and weak all of the time. He wanted to have a great rest of his life with us. About a year and a half later, the cancer had overrun his body and made its way to his brain. He chose to go into hospice and passed away peacefully at the ripe age of 76. I was devastated. I had lost my best friend and partner in crime. Who would I cry to when boys broke my heart? Who would I run to first when I found out important news? Cut to four years later and I'm in the happiest, healthiest relationship I've ever been in. I know this one is the one. I'm definitely going to marry him. But my Pawpaw never got to meet him. I do feel as if Pawpaw is always with me, watching over me right by my side. So for the past couple of months, I would talk to him at night right before I went to bed, pretty much talking into the air. One night, I said, Pawpaw, Brandon, one night I said, Pawpaw, Brandon, my longtime boyfriend at this point, is so good to me. Please let me know if you think he's good for me. I need to know if you're okay with this. And then I went to sleep. The dream I had that night was so amazing and heartfelt and just so real and so right. I had a dream that I was being walked down the aisle at my wedding, Brandon at the end crying happy tears waiting for me. When I got to the end of the aisle to be handed off to Brandon, I expected to turn and see that it was my father walking me down the aisle. But no, I turned and my pawpaw was right beside me and he was the one who walked me down the aisle. He had a white glowing aura around him and it seemed like no one else in my dream saw him. He kissed my cheek and my hand and with a smile, he faded away. I instantly woke up and bawled my eyes out, but in a good way. 
I like to think that was his way of letting me know he approved of this relationship and that he's always with me. Call me crazy or whatever. It could just be that I was thinking about it all before I went to sleep. But I really do think deceased loved ones can visit your dreams. Sorry this was so long, girls, but thank you for reading and let me know what you think, Kylie. Oh, 100. You asked, you received. Mm-hmm. Now, can you ask for me a million dollars? Pay my student loan debt off? Oh, God. <laughs> Something. Just kidding. No, really and truly, though, I do think that that was him. And I think that's sweet that even though you wouldn't be able to experience that in real life, you did have that experience in your dreams. But, like, are y'all married? Did y'all get married? Did, how long ago was this? Yeah, tell us everything. Come on, Kylie. All right, the last one. Sinister Sightings. The Process of Death from a CNA's Perspective. Hi, Donna and Carrie. I would like to tell you about a few times I experienced the process of death, and I will also be going deeper into two residents in particular. I worked as a CNA in the height of the pandemic in the summer of 2020. Three months of that was enough to turn me off from any healthcare job that I was considering. Don't get me wrong. I love the part of my job that involved taking care of people. One of the best feelings in the world is when one of those residents would really say thank you and how much they appreciated me. However, burnout and death of your favorite residents can be enough to hate your job. Death is scary, beautiful, sad, happy, all of the emotions. While some residents in the nursing home had sudden deaths, others would be in a state of limbo for a few days to a week. When that happened, the doctor would classify it as actively dying. It always creeped me out to experience this. Before the actively dying stage, most residents would be acting normal, but would always have a steep decline in a short period of time. Then they would become unresponsive and bedridden. The most I could do for them was change them, give them bed baths, and clean their mouths. One resident in particular will forever be stuck in my mind. I was the first CNA to take care of him. This patient in particular had dementia. Within two days of being admitted to the nursing home, he rapidly declined in health. In stark contrast, on the first day, he was walking around and doing most things on his own. In CNA terms, he was marked as independent and sometimes dependent with the need of one person to care for him. His dementia took a hold of him. He had numerous falls in just a couple of days. He was confused all the time, and he would make messes. After another day or so of this, probably his fourth or fifth day in the nursing home, he was sent to the hospital from a hard fall. He was returned back after a couple of days, bedridden. Not because of the fall, but because of his dementia. He would not eat, drink, or talk. Most of the day, he would sleep and occasionally make noises. On the last day I took care of him, he kept trying to move out of bed. He could only swing two legs towards the edge, and I had to readjust him many times that day. The creepiest part of it all is that someone on the staff had closed his curtains, turned out all the lights, and put on this calming music channel. Why is that creepy, you ask? At the end of my shift, when I went in, he was awake, but still unresponsive to me. He was staring into the corner of the ceiling, though, babbling about something. He had his arms outstretched and was moving them up and down as if reaching for something. The music channel was on something like angel music. That's the best I could describe it. I don't know what was going on. Maybe it was a dementia or maybe he was seeing someone. On to the next story. 
One of my favorite residents passed away tragically. He was a hard-ass, tough biker who built his own home in the prime of his life. Unfortunately, he had had a stroke and was left paralyzed on one side of his body. He was sent to the nursing home. Luckily, his girlfriend worked there as a housekeeper, so he wasn't totally alone. At this time, visitors were not allowed due to COVID. He was so funny and always so appreciative of me. He used to tell me about his life when I was helping him shave. There was a lot of talk about how he was depressed because he couldn't live the life he wanted anymore. I could see it. Though he was amazing to me, he was very monotoned and rarely smiled. The last time I saw him, I was the aide assigned to bathe him. I bathed him that day and shaved him. However, I was in a rush to do this because I had many other people to bathe. To add to it, we were stuck with the shitty disposable razors because his electric one conveniently broke. It was by far the worst shave job I have ever done. Patchy as hell and uneven. He said it was alright though, so I promised him I would fix his razor and went on with my day. The next day at work, he wasn't there. He was in the hospital due to a fall. The nurses thought he had tried to get out of bed on his own and hit his head. His girlfriend and one of the cooks, however, speculated that he threw himself off the bed on purpose in an attempt to end his suffering. (gasps) This happened during the night shift when only two aides were scheduled. He had been laying unconscious for about three hours before anyone found him. Unfortunately, he had a brain bleed and was in a coma. In order to repair it, the doctors warned that it could cause him to go fully paralyzed. His brother and girlfriend knew that he would not be happy that way, so they decided to let him pass in peace. I still feel guilty that I didn't shave him as well that day and that I didn't ever get to fixing his razor. I'm glad that he is in peace now, and I hope wherever he is, he's happy. Sorry for the long email. I'm super wordy and can't always get my thoughts out precisely. Have a great day and stay safe, Meg. Golly, that last story was heartbreaking. It was. Everyone in the medical field, y'all are freaking amazing. And I can't even imagine during COVID how that was. Especially like in the nursing homes because those poor residents couldn't have any visitors. And I mean, that just, especially the ones with dementia. Oh my God, it just makes it so much worse yeah well I hope he is at peace too and I really think that the first patient did see someone because before my dad died he he was talking to someone and he told me like them and when I said like the tv he was like yeah but I really think he was talking about mama and Lori you know and that was like the day before yeah and you know he I don't know he was just acting different yeah so I really feel like if, and I mean, it could have been dementia, you know, and everything, but in his mind, he saw them. Right. The patient. Right. I mean. The resident, yeah. Well, we've talked about that before, like, with dementia and all that. Like, what's the line of what they really see? Like, people with dementia, people with schizophrenia, people with blah, blah, blah. Like, what really is the real versus, like, what they can see that we can't see, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that second one, never get hard on yourself for not being able to do a great shave and all of that because you shaving him, like I know that he was probably really upset that he couldn't do that himself because that's how my dad was. But he did get an electric razor from my brother for Christmas and he would do that himself, you know, then. And so he got some of that freedom back because before my mama would shave him. 
And when she died, I said, oh, no, uh, uh-uh. I can't do that. Yeah. No, like my dad, he, any, he would say it juked him, anything would, yeah. like, and I'm like, it's nothing, nothing happened. Like that was like my side. It's not even, like, there's no hip bone there, sir. Yeah. It, well, I mean, it's there, but it's under a lot of padding, you know, but he'd be like, it juked me anything. So I was not about to shave his face. Yeah. But I think you doing that for your resident, that meant all the world to him that you would take the time to, you know, see him as a person and help him and everything. So I, like, I just never want you to hold on to that and feel sad that you, you know, didn't give him the best shave of his life on what you didn't know was going to be his last day. It's weird, like, what sticks with you because even just the other day, well, hell, yesterday, I was thinking about, because when my dad got diagnosed with cancer, we got him an electric razor too, because, you know, the platelets are too low. You can't shave because if you cut yourself, you can't stop it, blah, blah, blah. So um, we got him an electric razor and he hated it. But Colby had some, has some like I got some aftershave that he really liked. And, and um, I cried the other day because I was thinking about dad with his electric razor, how much he hated it. And I was like, I don't think he ever got to use that aftershave Aww. that I got him some of. The kind like Colby has. And, yeah. Uh, that made me cry. Gosh. But it's always, you're always going to, stuff's going to stick with you that like, you're like, man, I wish I would have done this or that f- with your patient's residents that pass. And I mean, do you just got to do the best that you can in that moment so that, you know, when something like that does happen, you aren't looking back thinking, I wish I would have done. Yeah. You know that every single time you're giving your all with every single patient and resident. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you all so much for sending in all these stories, even though it was one of the saddest sinister it sightings really ever. It really was. Um, but, you know, maybe we needed it. Somebody out there needed something. So yeah. thank you all so much for sending them in. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.